Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello, everybody. And welcome to Canonic University Radio, a podcast exploring fantasy flight games as Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm Dan. I'm Dan. I'm Ben. And I'm Harrison. This episode. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't ready for Harrison. Hello. Sneak attack. <laughs> In this episode, we're talking parallel lives, a world where Daisy has one will, a world where Agnes uses health as a resource, and instead of knowing about 15 Dans, Ben knows about 15 Bartholomews. Mm-hmm. See, the, the problem with this little fictional scenario that you've created, Dane, is I don't think there are 15 people named Bartholomew in the entire world at the moment. Well, maybe in the parallel world. You you go back about 100 years, maybe, but uh, I mean, it's, just, it's just not believable. Reach out, subscribe, uh, comment at mur.fm. Let us know of your existence. Anyways, <laughs> we're going to be talking about parallel investigators today. But Ben, how are we going to be doing that? Uh, I guess we're going to do the usual thing that we do with the Investigators of Arkham series. We're going to try to answer some questions about them. Uh, they're thematically very similar to... I mean, they're, they're based on the same characters, right? So, uh, But they're kind of like a, a mixed-up version. So, you know, we'll kind of talk about their, their new greatest strength, their new greatest weakness, what type of, type of role they can play in a group, and like what, some, what are some interesting cards that can work with them uh, that they like a lot. Uh, we used to, we usually do their favorite movie, but uh, I think it's going to be the same answers as we've done previously for them. So, and everybody has those memorized, and I didn't write them down this sheet, so we're not going to mention them again. Uh, but <laughs> so uh, yeah, the uh, the for anyone who doesn't remember what movies we assign to each of them, uh, all fifty whatever investigators, the correct movie is Police Story, except Lily Chen is Police Story Two. So just to just to provide a little reminder to everybody. <laughs> Not sure that was right, but all right. <laughs> uh, I guess let's read. We'll read through these. Oh, man, I wait a second. I have two notes here. Um, who put uh, some type of weird upside down head on my slide? Dan. Uh, <laughs> I. I mean, it sounds like the kind of thing that I would do, but I did not do that in this case. Is this the Elden Ring guy? What is I this? No idea. Who that nope, is? That is more of a. That looks more of a cyber gentleman. Maybe some type of bioroid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, I guess I'll write, read Roland Banks. We were too busy discussing Pokemon and Elder Ring before the the show. We forgot to assign these. Uh, so, uh, Roland, um, yeah, Roland Banks, the Fed. Um, so, his parallel version. He's got uh, three whale, three int, four combat, and two agility. Uh, at deck creation, he picks three different directive assets which I guess I'll read in a minute um, to add to his deck as a free trigger. Once per game, he can flip a directive asset face down. So it like turns it off basically. And his elder sign, uh, he gets to choose a directive asset that he can ignore for the round. Uh, and he gives him plus two. Uh, his deck building is he can use guardian cards, zero to three insight cards, zero to three tactic cards, zero to three and neutral cards, zero to five. Uh, he has a standard deck size of 30. Uh, additionally, he starts with five extra experience. Um, 
And then, yeah, he gains these directive cards, uh, which I assume is what this Netrunner references to. Uh, the So he... He has five different directive cards. They're all assets, all permanents, and they all can only go in his deck. Uh, the first one is subtitle Due Diligence. It gives him a regulation, which a regulation is like an extra rule he has to follow um, for just Roland. So he, uh, this one says you cannot fight more than twice each round, and then as a free trigger during a skill test while investigating, evading, or parlaying, exhaust this directive. You get plus two skill value for, to this test for each enemy engaged with you. Um... So yeah, he limits his fight, but he gets bonuses on other other types of actions. Uh, red tape, uh, you cannot play more than two cards each round, but as a reaction, you can play an insight or tactic event uh, and exhaust the directive, and that event gains fast. Uh, consult experts, you cannot voluntarily assign damage or horror to ally assets, but you have one additional ally slot. Leave no doubt, you cannot move more than twice each round, and you get plus three sanity. And finally, Seek the Truth. The regulation is, while your location has one or more clues, you cannot commit cards to skill tests unless you have discovered a clue this round. Reaction. After you discover a clue, if an enemy is at your location, exhaust this directive, draw one card. Um, and then the parallels also come with advanced uh, signature and weakness, but why don't we talk about the uh, just the regular investigator before we take a look at those. So... So Harrison and I have been doing a playthrough series of all of the challenge scenarios, and as part of that, we were playing all of these parallel investigators. And I played Roland. I played parallel Roland um, when we did Roland's. Uh, he, he was kind of interesting. Um, the extra directives give you a lot more to think about in your turn because they you want to try to like you know you, you have to you can't just like fight three times if you have due diligence or whatever. Um, and you want to try to figure out how you can benefit from the uh, the trade-offs of the directives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I guess uh, strengths for Parallel Roland. Um, he still works well as kind of a, a combat guy. Uh, you can pick directives that either don't limit his combat or maybe make him a little bit better at like evading or something. Like if you do the directive one, you can like fight twice and um, then evade something or probably something or, or grab a clue or something. Um, I didn't feel like he was like extremely strong at like being, like being a main combat guy or being a main clue guy. Uh, I think he's like still a little bit more hybridy. Um, mm-hmm. What do you guys think of Parallel Orland? So when we played them together, it was kind of neat to kind of see the uh, like the con- contrast between them. Um, and I think that you know regular Roland was obviously more incentivized to uh, to get, like at least finish the enemy off. Um, but I didn't really. I mean, maybe it was just from the way that you built it. But I didn't really feel like he had a lot of like of that firepower. Um, I don't know if his deck building had to do with it either, because he only can get up to level three and uh, weapons, right? Or guarding uh, cards. Yeah. So he, right, he, right. he can't get any of the big 
endgame weapons, so he's a little bit more limited in that capacity, and he's not Mark, so he doesn't have just, like, seven base combat, effectively, um, to make up <laughs> yeah. for that. I mean, who is? <laughs> it's, it's worth mentioning that, like, I, I think his card pool is basically just kind of worse, because mm-hmm. um, most of the most of the good insight things are, are seeker cards that he would have access to anyway, unless there's, like, level three insights I'm not thinking of. Most of the tactics are, like, Guardian Seeker anyway, so you, I think your card pool kind of gets worse if you pick Parallel Roland, but um i don't know i mean the directives are pretty cool though right or at least some of them are yeah yeah it kind of seems like do any stand out to you guys as like this one is clearly the one that you build a deck around or like this is one that you'd probably never take because the the one that maybe stands out to me is seek the truth looks like it'd be really good yeah i think like at first i was trying to build roland whereas he's more like like 70 75 25 where he's like shoot guys and then get clues you know whereas trisha's kind of like the other the opposite of him where she's like get clues and evade guys um parallel roland is i think very much not that and i kind of like fell into that trap of like making him a little more combaty than realizing like oh i can't take big guns or whatever and that's not like the end all be all of combat of course you can always get like vicious blow level two over power level two and, and you know 45s and stuff like that but um these lend themselves more to a better like uh clue getter and i think mm-hmm. for me i was kind of like theory crafting decks for him the directives were kind of a, a a hindrance for me at first and then i kind of realized that he does give that five extra experience and we just got a fantastic card called in the thick of it so he can take stick to the plan at level zero and get three things out of his deck that he can play immediately which lets him get help helps him get set up with, um, you know, like, Ever Vigilant, like, right from the start. Um, so for that reason, I really liked the, the you get plus three sanity, because you can just take one, one and one trauma. Um, that being said, I think that you could, there's a lot of different things you can do. Like, uh, Red Tape is also really interesting, because it lets you play things fast that, that almost nobody else can play fast, like Drawn to the Flame and stuff like that. Um, but I think that, generally speaking, uh, y- this deck sort of calls for you to play one of my favorite cards in the game, Handcuffs. Because um, one of them says that you get plus two skill value for each enemy engaged with you. So the optimal solution for that is you kind of handcuff humanoids and then engage them, and then you just get this buff for the rest of the game when you're doing stuff. And it's not great, but it's just kind of a neat thing that you can do. Um, So those are kind of my feelings on rolling in general. Parallel rolling, anyway. Uh, see, I, I looked at that one and I just said, like, oh, that's the directive I wouldn't take because the handcuffs thing sounds like a lot of work and I'm lazy. And uh, I don't know, it only works once per turn. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. It could, it could be kind of cool. Yeah. The... But I, I think that's that's what's neat about it, though, is that there are, like, each of the directives seems like at least you kind of could choose it and kind of, like, get some use out of it. So you have, like, a lot of different, you know, five choose three is, like, a lot of possibilities, right? Mm. Yeah, I think the Roland deck I played had the due diligence in it, which I I think I attempted to use in some cool way uh, almost every round, but it usually didn't work. Uh, either because the whatever action combination I had didn't work out or the plus the plus bonus I still failed with. Um, <laughs> nice. but, uh, <laughs> and then what else do I have? I think I had the the, the ally one and the sandy yep. one. And those yep. ones were those were fine. You could work you could play around those uh fairly yeah. easily. Yeah, the ally uh, directive is pretty cool because you could. What's the math? You could have like twelve sled dogs 
out if you get them all teamwork to you or something. <laughs> you can't assign damage to. Uh, but you could have a big attack, I guess. I, I feel like that's that's a, that's a fun idea. I don't know if it's a super practical a game, but it'd be fun <laughs> a trick to, to go for. Uh, I'm kind of I, the seek the truth card. I don't know why I didn't use that one. That one seems like the one of the more powerful ones. Um, it it gives you kind of like the opposite of how normal Roland's ability works, and it it also it it would work really well with Alice. Uh, Alice, whose name last name I forget, Let's and. Yeah, it also it kind of makes you into like a Trish like kind of like it gives you like a similar ability to her. So um, I think that one would be really fun, especially in like a small group. Well, you could do fun stuff where like um, you play a card that gains you a clue while there's an enemy there. You get the clue, you draw a card, and then you know then you can then commit stuff or whatever. Whatever, like you can dis- disable the penalty on it. Yeah, you play. Like- You'd play some of the good Joe Diamond cards like Scene of the Crime and Working a Hunch, you know. Uh, what about weaknesses for Parallel Roland? Obviously he has some built in because by taking directives you gain some weaknesses, but just like in general. Hmm. Well, he doesn't have secret cards anymore. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> huge, right? Uh, yeah, well, he, he has Insight 0 to 3, which is like almost sure. all the secret events. I mean, there are some cool, there are some cool like mystics insights, like uh, drawn to the flame and uh, delves, right? Oh, that's you right. Can do that. Delves you can do that. Is delve an insight? I feel like it is. I think the big one is like just relative yeah. to regular Roland. Like losing regular Roland's ability is a really big deal because mm-hmm. if you're playing like a solo deck, you can get just most of your clues off of that, or like half of them. Um, or in a two-player deck, it works really, really well if you're like the main fighter. So I think, like, the worry with this parallel version is, like, you have a lot of fun directives going on, and maybe you have, like, a very fun, weird deck, but you're maybe, like, not getting as much value as you would have from just getting a clue every time you kill something. Mm. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's tough. I still haven't played him yet. So, like, the thing that I'm wondering, I guess, most about Roland is how pivotal is it to use the flip a directive face down mm-hmm. once per game thing? Because, Ben, I know that you you played with him, and, like, is that sort of, like, something that you were planning for the whole time? Or did you just kind of do it when it was convenient? I assumed at some point I would need to do it to, you know, gain back some actions that I would, I would otherwise need. Like, I assumed there would be some time where I had to, like, move three times or um had to fight three times or something and that would be when i would disable it uh i don't actually remember if i ended up doing it or not um i think you considered it yeah i I might have disabled the the move one for sandy but we might have worked around it when we played i remember that that was the first one we did and that was like two or three months ago Um, it stinks because it's not like it's not like lily's uh whatever her versions are disciplines because like you can't like crack them to do something cool it's just you just don't have to worry about the the challenge anymore because yeah for lily you have like a benefit and then you do a cool ability and then you have like a penalty or then you just don't have the the benefit until you don't do something else right so yeah you can get it back I mean, I definitely like the theme of these directives for Roland because it's like, oh yeah, you know, I gotta follow the rules, yep. you know. Um, but uh, like a younger, fresher-faced Roland, right? Yeah. Um, so that uh, was uh, so. Just just moving down the questions a little bit. Did we talk about what role he would he would play? 
<laughs> yeah, I mentioned it a little bit. I mean, he, he can kind of, it's, and I think he leans a little bit more into maybe getting clues and, and being like secondary fighter just because he can't power up his fight quite as much slash the directives kind of hinder him a little bit in that aspect. But he definitely could, you know, be secondary fighter or secondary cluer in a big group. And he can definitely still do roll in or hybrid roll in for like smaller groups, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's all right. I don't think that he could be a main like seeker because um, he doesn't have access to the deductions and things like that anymore. So yeah. Well, regular Roland was pretty soloable. Do you think that you would solo with him? I think he's still good. I almost think that would be like the best use case for him. I mean, that that's kind yeah. of maybe arguably the best use for a regular Roland too, or like yeah. two player. But uh, I, I like I think for this guy, I could picture making like a fun solo deck for him. It's it's really hard to see how he would fit into like a three or four player group. I do like the puzzle though. It's like uh, it's like oh, yeah. he seems kind of like this scenarios, or if you called it like a cycle, like puzzle investigator. Which is yeah, cool. among the parallel, you mean? Yeah, like every campaign yeah. seems to have like one puzzle investigator, and he seems pretty puzzly. Yeah, I think maybe like so the puzzle aspect is interesting about him, but I think that maybe not necessarily like an investigator like an inherent weakness, but like an, uh, a weakness of like the creation of this is that it's a little harder and less accessible for like newer folks or people who aren't as like confident with uh, like playing investigators in general to play because there's a lot going on with each of these directives and it's, it might be tough for some people to remember like, Oh, I can only play two events a turn or whatever. Oh, I can only move twice a turn. And that yeah. could be a turnoff for some people. But it's also a huge boon for some people because a lot of people like like me like like kind of those challenges to figure out like okay am I doing everything as efficiently as possible because you know with more restrictions comes more creativity and such so yeah are there any uh, any favorite cards that we haven't already mentioned that we should talk about I mean for for me the big one is like those insights that could instantly get clues that could trigger um, seek the truth like working a hunch and scene of the crime any any others. For me, it might be like Drawn in Flame because like Red Tape, somebody said in chat that they think Red Tape is the strongest. Um, yeah, it was Comrade. Um, and that to me is just such a huge deal. Being able to play like Drawn in the Flame fast, especially in like something like Solo or, or even Duo where two clues might be the max that spawn or it just it just completely offsets the math for a lot of locations, I, which is super cool. I don't know if it's necessarily like a build around, but I like that... Um... Uh, Ward. Of, I mean, I I always really like Word of Radiance, and I, I guess that's never mind. I was gonna think that is that a blue card or a purple card? Word of Radiance, yeah, that's. I think a it's an insight. Right? It's purple it, insight, right? Yeah, and like one thing I was kind of seeing with like Mystics is that it's kind of hard to get the the blesses in the bag, and maybe maybe there's a little bit of kind of cool bless potential in there because blue does a lot of bless stuff. I don't know. Um, because word of I mean, because it's always kind of cool to have like a word of protection access, anyways. But word of word of radiance kind of replaces that if you have blesses in there. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the best blessed cards in blue are f level four or five, though. He uh, doesn't have access oh, to. Oh, that's right. That's right. The <clears throat> chat is suggesting that like he has access to a lot of the seeker curse generating cards, so you could make something. Oh, really? Seeker-based uh, curse rolling deck or something. Uh, <laughs> it does some bounces with that. I'm stirring up trouble. 
Remember yeah. also that on the on the topic of wards, he can play forewarned because that's an insight. That's right. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um. Yeah. Any cool. anything else to say about uh, Mister Mister Roland? But not the. Not, I feel like we should make some kind of joke about like the evil Cooper when the real one is trapped in the Black Lodge or whatever from, uh, <laughs> yeah. from the new Twin Peaks. Like, there's there's that's kind of obvious. That's like just sitting there for us. Fair. Fair. <laughs> Um, yeah, no. So, uh, do we want to look at the advanced cards at all? Or do we want to come back to those later if we have time? I mean, they're there. All right. So <laughs> they don't I, do too much that's different, right? Yeah. What's, I, I guess what are the differences? So, the advanced cards are, if anyone doesn't know, uh, uh, upgraded version of both the Roland signature weakness and signature uh, asset. So, his, his 38 special and cover-up. The rules for them are you can optionally take just take them both um, in the game, um, or if you play through the challenge scenario, you have the opportunity to to pick them up. Um, so it's thirty eight special. Uh, I should have put the regular cards on here so I can remember the difference. Uh, I think it looks like if there's more than one one or more clues in your location, it gets a bigger strength buff, I believe. And yeah, it looks I like think a regular game... is one and three. Yeah, and when you defeat an enemy, it looks like you gain an ammo back. Uh, plus, it has some more symbols, and I think it starts with more ammo. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. so that makes it a little better. It will refill itself. Um, and it does have a big, pretty big plus four bonus to attack um, if there is a clue in your location. So that can be a fun, powerful combo. Uh, it's probably a little bit better in, in regular Roland um, than Barrel, yeah. I think. And then uh, Advanced Cover-Up, the it starts with four clues on it instead of three. So yeah. you have to discover four clues to clear it off. That really um, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> pretty bad. See, the thing with the, the core investigator weaknesses is they're like all pretty bad. So mm -hmm. so having an yeah. advanced version of them, like you must you have to really want the improved signature uh, if you want to take that advanced version for cover up. Or you're playing in standalone, you don't care about upgrading <laughs> yeah, cover up. Um, we could talk about it later, but yeah. uh, like the 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 I mean like you don't have to earn them both at the same time, but you could earn them on accident. Yeah. One question about how the uh, Roland's advanced signature works. If you're playing the uh, regular Roland face and you defeat an enemy and pick up the last clue in the location, does that trigger before you place the ammo on it? Or would that not count? That's kind of a weird interaction, but it says if, if the sect defeats an enemy and there are no clues on your location. So does the, the defeat come... I guess, like, because this would all happen in one, so maybe you don't get the clue? Or, or you don't get the ammo back, rather? Uh, I have to look at what the timing is. It looks like Roland's thing is after you defeat an enemy, discover a clue. This is if this attack defeats an enemy, and there are no clues on your location. So I think if triggers before after, I think it's the same timing point. Um, I can't remember if it falls into the weird rule with... Uh, skill tests where you sometimes resolve the afters before the the thens and ifs but uh so i'm not sure that would quite work but i'm sure i'm sure we can consult the council of rules nerds um i'm not sure if that's what their name is now but uh, we can hope i think there's a poll <laughs> uh, so all right uh let's look at daisy uh am i just reading all these is that what's happening sure why not I can think of many reasons why not, but all right. Daisy Walker, uh, parallel uh, librarian. She's still a librarian. So her stat line is now one willpower, five inch, two combat, two agility. 
Her ability is you get plus one willpower and plus one sanity for each tome asset you control. Uh, and free trigger one at a time resolve an action ability on each tome asset you control, ignoring the action cost. Limit once per game. Elder Sign, you can return a tome asset from your disco pile to your hand. Five health, seven sanity. Can't remember if that's the same as normal or not, but... Uh, it's five and nine, normal. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, yeah, uh, her deck build. Her deck building is uh, deck size thirty. She can use tome cards level zero to five, seeker cards zero to three, neutral zero to five, and up to five other level zero guardian and or mystic cards. Um, yep, and she does not have five extra cards like Roland. So that's that's it. So she still has her, her regular tote bag in Necronomicon or the advanced versions if you go that way. Um, so yeah, what are what are some strengths for Parallel Daisy? Uh, <laughs> um, is a seeker. She has five books. Mm-hmm. But uh, regular Daisy also has those, so she must have some other other strengths, right? Uh, well, <clears throat> I don't know. I guess uh, does the yep. guardian does access to guardian cards get her anything? Oh yeah, that's right. I'm um, trying to think if there's anything that like that opens up, but I, I don't know. So there's, there's, um, I kind of um, was thinking about builds for her. Did you want to talk about it? Oh, I mean, like, uh, we, you did run the, when you built the deck for us, when we did that, uh, we, you ran, um, uh, what was the, the, uh, edge of the earth permanent, uh, it up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's probably worth a mention. Um, cause that's great to get a bunch of books out including like Schaffner's, mm. but, um, I would say that. Um, Lord Batboy says Alice, which that's good. Yeah, I can give her. I can give her extra int. I mean, she can still get to Milan if she wants in, or she could do both. Um, yeah, the the geared up strategy, which may have not worked at all when we played the parallel scenario, <laughs> uh, but uh, most most of the times, like because she might be loading up a lot of tomes, which are all items in her deck, then you can run geared up, which lets you first turn um it lets you play any number of assets right uh producing the cost by one yeah but you can't take any uh any other actions you can't take any actions during your turn um Um. so like the idea there is you like you probably you probably get four or five tomes uh or or just items in general in your in your mulligan or you try to mulligan for that many and they're all relatively Mm -hmm. cheap so and if you get like Schaffner's catalog uh, or Schaffner's, however you say it, um, you can yeah, play I mean, first it, and then play them all cheap and then keep set up. Keep in, keep in mind though, she doesn't get any kind of way to have more than two hand slots other than playing the tote bag, right? Like even if you like, do you really want your deck to be like fifteen tomes when you're still only able to use a couple of them at once? I think it's not just about the tomes though. Too, she can she can take secret cards, right? She takes. Yeah, Only up zero to three. three. Yeah, so she can take like the boots, the hiking boots. She can take other things that are items to help her out in that regard. I think that it's just like it's kind of cool to do that because there are a lot of interesting smaller things that, like, you, yes, she cannot use Old Book of War as effectively as the regular Daisy, which is definitely a weakness that we can talk about. But um, she can use like uh, Scroll of Secrets, which is kind of fine, which comes down for zero. Um, she can use like Schaffner's, like Dip Ben was saying, which comes down for one and then can help pay for other things. 
Um, so she's got a lot of access to those kinds of things. And there's also a um, something that takes up an arcane slot. I can't remember the, the name of it right now, but, but it also increases the number of tomes that you can have. It's not an item, so you can't play them with it, but um, yeah. it's, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, it feels like if you don't run the geared up or you don't have other ways to compress actions, you may have a little bit of setup in trying to get a bunch of stuff down so she can try to have a bunch of books. I don't know if having all those books down helps her too much unless they're giving her passive things. Well, they are. Um, yeah, I mean, like, moving moving to weaknesses just for a minute, I mean, regular Daisy's very, very good, right? And yes. I think that relative to regular Daisy, to me, I just look at this and I think, like, losing the losing the, the up to level five seeker cards and level two mystic cards is kind of a big deal. You lose yeah. like, you know, yeah. ward two, you lose some of the really good high level seeker cards that you could use. Um, her like once per game, use a bunch of tomes at once. Like, I think that could be like a really fun combo if you can pull it off with a whole bunch of books out, but is that really going to like swing the game or let you, is that, are you going to win the scenario that you wouldn't have won because of that? Like, I don't know, maybe, yeah. but I mean, it, you have to have a lot of tomes out for it to make up for her, her, her regular one just use an extra action use a tome every turn right? exactly because like regular daisy you just you get hopefully old book of lore or maybe like the scroll of prophecies or something out like turn one because you mulligan very hard for it and then over the course of the game you get like a lot of free tome activations especially you know it's i don't know yeah i think that's the major weakness right like Regular Daisy has like thirty three percent more actions than this, yeah. <laughs> because of the fact that once she hits her old brick lore, she's drawing another card every single turn, essentially. Um, and this Daisy cannot do that. I think the reason for geared up that we we're mentioning before is just that, like, she does get the passive bonus that she gets plus one will and sanity for every tome you control. So, like, you really want those tomes out fast and as quick as possible. So, if you can just have like eight or nine tomes in your deck doesn't really technically matter what they are. As long as you just get them down, you're getting some value, and then you can play your tote bag later. But again, it is a lot of setup to do what regular Daisy does kind of maybe worse. <laughs> but I should, Yeah, I mean, like, you should, it should be noted, uh, there are some books that don't have hand slots, right? Like Schaffner's? Yeah, so, yeah. Schaffner's, I think that's the only one. <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, i think it's it, this is like a fun interesting like puzzle kind of deck but i think that it's like the what her card is pointing you towards is like building a deck around like playing as many tomes as possible which you run into hand slot issues you run into like are there that many like old book of lore is great but if you're using like the fourth best tome suddenly you're kind of like down the list a little bit but i don't know yeah. i mean so that that's kind of like weaknesses a little bit in terms of a role, I mean, regular Daisy is a very good, like, primary clue getter. I think that this version of Daisy is probably still better at that than anything else. Does her does the changes in this card open up any entirely new roles that regular Daisy couldn't do, or is she mostly still just a primary clue getter? Hmm. You're maybe uh, doing a little more support on damage stuff because of Alice. Like, if you take Alice and maybe Dynamites or something, I don't know. You could help out in that way, but not a terrible amount different, I think. You don't really think of, like, battle, like, battle Amanda, like a battle Daisy? Like, I feel like I don't really see her You can take the fish book, right? Or the Doom one? The Doom yeah, one? Yeah, I mean, Abyssal. couldn't you take it before? Yeah. Well, With regular I Daisy? It, I don't remember what level it is. It's level two, right? Okay, so you could. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's all um, so. yeah, like like maybe maybe you could make a decent kind of like more hybridy build with this than you could with regular Daisy, but I'm not really sure about that because you can. I think you could do like a kind of interesting janky 
hybrid regular Daisy as well. So I don't know. Yeah. Jury's still out. What I feel like. Um, yeah, I guess what puzzles me on her is like you get plus one willpower for every tome you have out, but what do you do with that willpower? Like you get five, she, she you get five spells, right? Five she, uh, mystic cards. Yeah, she she has access to like level zero <laughs> mystic cards. Like uh, I don't know what she does with that. I mean, I guess it makes it so she can be better at passing treacheries from the counter deck or something. But we, you we, don't go insane because you only have like five whole, five whole sanity. We we also this is controversial and people get mad at us, but like. It kind of puts her in the same position as Diana, where yes, in theory, her will can scale up really high, but starting with one will is pretty bad, right? Yeah. Like you don't, you wouldn't want to fully commit to playing will spells with this parallel Daisy, I think, because for the beginning of the game, you would be stuck with really low will, and those spells would be pretty bad. Um, I feel like uh, probably just like it's Mateo syndrome for another weakness is just like I'll just forget to do the whole to do her thing. Like yeah. I'm sure I'm gonna or, just or not you- do it. You try to save it till the end of the game, whatever. Uh, no, you don't need it. Yeah, you don't need it. So, yeah. Um, what's the last question? I forgot. Favorite cards. Uh, any favorite cards besides anything besides tomes? Like Schaffner's is an interesting. Like that's that's an interesting pick. Um, any anything else? Hmm. They geared up. Just because I like geared up. Yeah. And any reason to play it on somebody, this is kind of an investigator who could do that because she's like kind of item centric, right? Obviously, she's tome centric, but you can kind of build her in a way where you have a lot of items and ideally get at least three assets out with it. So, I mean, she can't do very much with it, but she could run true magic. Ah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't. But she can't run spells. She can't run spells. So, um... yeah. It's true magic. Uh, yeah, any, anything else to say about Daisy, or should we move on to the next parallel individual? Uh, move on to the best class in the game. Well, do we want to talk about her? <laughs> Let's talk about her advanced cards real quick. Okay. Um, so her tote bag, it gains some icons, um, still gives two additional hand slots, but then it also has a free trigger of when you play a tome asset during your turn, you can exhaust the tote bag so the asset gains fast. So she, the, it can help her get her tomes out uh, without spending actions, which is kind of nice. Uh, the upgraded Necronomicon. Uh, so this one is, uh, it still starts with three horror on it, and you can't leave play until you get rid of the horror. While it's in play, you treat, treat each Elder sign you reveal as a cultist, tablet, and Elder thing. Uh, oh. Instead of it being treated as an autofail. Gross. <laughs> So I mean how how bad is that really? Like that's that's in some cases that's maybe not even as bad as treating it as an autofail. You know? Yeah, I think it's it true. depends on the scenario a little bit. Sometimes those symbols can be pretty bad. Um yes, like, and, and if you're drawing like, all three of them, there's like a decent chance you probably fail unless you're yeah. uh, really pumped up your test. Um but like in, it is it is no longer a guaranteed failure. Yeah. Like in hard, can it what's like the worst that you can think it could do? Can it just put a bunch of monsters in Doom? Doom yeah, I mean they're there's scenarios where the, the elder thing is just like add a doom to a location oh, and you can never get rid of it or something. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's also like play this in Dream Eaters because then you get the sweet cat buff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you could even get it without a cat, without being friends with a cat. That is true. Yeah. I know, it's definitely a little bit more interesting than her regular weakness, which is just, oh, it's Elder Signs down auto fail, there's two auto fails. Now you can yeah. sort of like, you could now be like, all right. I'm gonna commit a whole bunch of stuff to this so that I pass even if I even if I draw this or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, um, I think we have tome too, right? 
So yeah, it does it, give her the bonus. Yeah, it, it does give her the bonus uh, while she tries to get rid of it. But she doesn't have the free actions to, you know, just passively get rid of it over three turns. Oh, that's oh, so bad. If, she, if you're doing it parallel, Daisy, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think... So. I think if I was playing regular Daisy, I usually don't play the the Topag, so I wouldn't bother upgrading it. And if I was playing Parallel Daisy, then you probably have to play the Topag because you need more hand slots. So you might as well play this version because it's uh, better and it's, I don't know, seems fun. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, three That's three, three uh, icons if you commit it, even if you don't like to play it. It's true. <laughs> yeah, or if you play well-prepared. Yeah. Alrighty. Yes, definitely. Let's move on to Skids O'Toole. Um, so, parallel Skids O'Toole. He's still an ex-con. Uh, he is still a criminal. His stat line is 2334, which I think is the same. Um, his ability is free trigger, spend up to three resources, test a base skill value of three against a difficulty equal to the amount of resources you just spent. If you succeed, gain twice the number of spent resources only agility and wild skill icons may be committed to this test limit once per round uh elder sign is plus one choose a level two or less card in your discard pile and add that card to your hand he has eight health and six sanity uh i don't remember if that's different or not and his deck building is uh, deck size 25 uh rogue cards zero to five fortune cards zero to three Gambit cards, 0 to 3, neutral 0 to 5. Uh, and additional options, when you upgrade a fortune or gambit card, you may instead pay the full experience cost of the higher level version and leave the lower level version in your deck. It does not count against, uh, does not count towards your deck size or the number of copies of that card in your deck. Uh, and then he still has hospital debts in on the lamb. Uh, so, this version of Skids uh, is very fun. In my opinion, uh, yes, yeah. it is. Uh, <laughs> I I played him in our in our parallel uh, our challenge run. Uh, basically, every turn I was trying to figure out how I could spend three resources and get six resources back uh, to have more money all the time, and it was great. Um, I don't remember if I did anything productive uh, as the skids during that during that scenario, I was but, I was about to ask, but uh, I had a lot of money, this? and it was very yeah. fun. Because uh, the Sarah yeah. goal was to get as much money as possible. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but um, I mean, he he lets lets him lean lean into like the big money builds, um, where he can ramp up his money and then try to spend that money in some way, or by having all that money, uh, you know, gain some benefits or whatever, like well connected or whatever. Um, mm. He does. Actually, it's it's fun that unlike some of the other parallels that we've talked about, he does get the full range of green cards. So he is likely to have the payoffs for having a lot of money. Yeah. Which is nice. His deck size is smaller. So a lot of like the exceptional things like double, double are going to come up more. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, like if we're talking about strength for a second, um, obviously gets a ton of money. I think he, he, he knocks Jenny off the second place for who gets the most money in a game. Obviously Preston is first, but this Perilous Kids is close second. He gets a filthy amount of money very fast because of the fact that just a fast test. You don't even have to spend money. You could spend up to three resources. It could, this could be a one to three, so you just net one. But if you have like Gregory Gry, you can bet money on Gregory Gry. If you've got skill cards that like move you, like um, the, the one green one or anything that like draws you cards, like 
Mandex level two, anything like that is just going to get yep. like a ridiculous amount of value, even if you're engaged, no matter where you are. Mythos phase, you can do it. Yeah, you can do it any point. So, like, it's just a really versatile, like, uh, ability to have. Yep. Um, and he can have the smallest deck size in the game because he can take Underworld Contacts and he has 25 uh, deck size. So he can have a 20 card deck limit. Let me uh, let me ask briefly about the upgrading and keeping the lower level card. That's kind of interesting because it's definitely the only case in the game where you can do that. Like it kind of breaks the rules. Is that really good? Like so, for instance, like Lucky is a pretty good card, but like, do you want to have like four Luckies in your deck or even more than that? Uh, I mean, because this deck size starts smaller, like adding additional Luckies, especially the level two and level three Lucky replace themselves, right? They they both draw yes. a card. So like Lucky in particular, like it could be good to just have four of them in your deck, um, because you'll they they're effectively cantrips to help you pass stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know what other. I don't have a good list of like the other Fortune and Gambit cards. If there's other ones that are fun to have multiples of, um, you could have four. Um, look what I found. You have daring, daring maneuvers. Twenty one or bust is probably a fortune card, but there's no upgrade for that. Yeah. No. Uh, money talks. Um, like a lot, a lot of these, there's no upgrade for them. He he might like money talks, but I don't know if he wants to have extras in his deck. Um, oh, um, the dodge, the the um, dumb luck is one that you can get. You can get four of. They're not. It's not like super great. But I think the best ones yeah. are luckies and uh, look what I found. Ooh, hot it, uh, hot streak is a fortune card, so you could have. <laughs> Oh, I, I think what I'm kind of getting at is like it seems kind of fun, but I don't know if that really moves the needle on how mm-hmm. how good he actually is. Like I don't know if it really makes yeah, him far and away better than regular skids. That's a, that's a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, because he can. Yeah, because he has the money to buff himself, he can, uh, you know, use things like uh, I don't know. I can't remember the name. I just looked at it. Um, the card that lets you like you do a money skill test instead of a, a combat skill test or whatever, or well connected or um, money talks, yeah. money talks, all, yeah. yeah, all that stuff that like he he can ramp up his money much faster than regular skids, um, just because of his his ability here, and then he can translate that into actually passing skill tests, and he and rogues have enough cards now that. You know there are like efficient rogue cards to like you know actually do damage to enemies or or yeah. even get clues. I mean he he also has an int of of three, so he could also like grab rogue clueing cards instead and use the money to make up for the lack of um, high base skill. So we're not playing taboo. Double or nothing's pretty good, but um, it's kind of <laughs> nice to have like a just a fast level zero test that you can have access to for all of those like mm-hmm. sweet winny cards that are just like. I draw a million cards, and you could just commit everything to, oh, yeah. uh, and and just like start the game with with like ten cards in your hand. I I was immediately asking myself like, is drawing thin a gambit by any chance? You know, because that would be <laughs> that would be pretty good. But I don't I don't think it is. No. Um, um, so what about some weaknesses? Uh, I mean, well, he's, yeah. he's skids are tool. <laughs> yeah, he's Not still skids. Uh, his weakness is still really bad in campaign mode because um, you you lose experience unless you have money. 
Um, which I, I guess actually he'll probably have enough money that he can pay off his debts relatively easily. Um, yeah, his stat line is still not great, so he does need that's, to. That's like the biggest one. He does yeah. need to set himself up to have money and be able, and have the money cards available to, to to benefit from the money. You know, he can't he can't totally. go out of the gate very easily. Um, he still has four agility, so he can at least dodge monsters. But willpower is going to be set against, and it's going to be harder to pass uh, tests out of the gate. I think. Um, but once he's set up and going, I think he he's probably okay in most tests, at least ones that he plans yeah. for. I sometimes I mean like maybe we could talk about it when we talk about like what role they fill in, but it kind of still feels like what the big what like uh, corset uh, rogues did because it feels like he's going to play his own little mini game. While everybody else is actually discovering clues, and then what? Like, is that, he has a lot of money. Is that like, what it felt like when I was playing it? There's, um, yeah. Uh, you I have mean, a lot of money. That, that's sort of a thing that rogues do, and I think survivors to a lesser extent do, is they're, they're doing their own little mini game to get themselves set up to, like, in the back end of the game, like, pop off, hopefully, and get a bunch of clues or, or murder a bunch of stuff. So uh, I think he still has that. That's, Going that's forward. what mystics do rogues and survivors just uh collect a lot of money and they just kind of hang out you know <laughs> well mystics have to just like fan, right? get their assets out yeah he can get back black fan black fan is money. really really good payoff for a lot of money yeah um, there, there's a ton yeah. of cards that work with the big money deck it's just you you need to ramp up to it that's you know that's kind of a little bit of a downside there um yeah. sure. is there is there any sort of like like way because like I kind of hate having ending a scenario with like a big pile of money because it feels like there's just resources I didn't do anything with. Is there any like desperation type thing that you can do where you can just spend all the money, like fire axie stuff? Mariner's Compass. I, I'm not going to say the B word, but like yeah, I mean there, there's not a lot of just kind of like unlimited money sinks available in the game, really. Um, like streetwise, but yeah like that i guess that would be like one of the major ones and that does that does help with his bad stat line a lot if you're using like agility but uh if you do double double you can like double double the favors which are really expensive right like double double intel report you can do and that's like eight bucks so that's a lot but yeah it's it's tough because like most of the most of the the rich life builds are like you're not doing anything for the first like three four turns maybe and then suddenly you're online and you can do stuff but um there isn't really anything that just like blows everything out of the water except for something like lola right where you can just spend money to force clues off of locations yeah or spend money like with lila Conrad brought up a good point is if you mix and i don't know if we necessarily have been talking about like mixing up the front and the back but uh, I mean, using his his uh, access to Guardian with teamwork can help, like, just spread that money out, um, which could be pretty good, because, what, Ben, at the end of one of your, I mean, of the scenario that we did, you had, like, 45, you had, like, 60 money, and that kind right. of injection of money is pretty good. Yeah, but I, I needed that money. Yeah, you, you needed, needed that money. <laughs> <laughs> that was my hard-earned gambling money I don't, that's like I don't, that's like dan with I clues could, i don't think i could share i mean that. back back when we did like uh like netrunner like league at the local game store we had like an achievement sheet and i remember <laughs> one of them was one of them was like end the game with 75 credits or something yeah. so <laughs> yeah. Ben, yeah. ben was just kind of trying to get that you know yeah uh a completely alternative way i guess you could play him is he does have access to like a lot of the fortune cards are like the survivor if you fail uh instead mm-hmm. do this cards 
So I suppose instead he could lean into being skids and just failing at everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh have a bunch of like look what i found or close calls or or uh oh he could you could catastrophe oh man uh but so just he, he could lead to some of the dub survivor stuff to like help himself pass after he fails which would be yeah, just to, just to kind of clarify so in terms of roles for him like do we do we think it's different from his kind of normal uh state or is it like mm. basically because normal like, skids is like not really excellent at anything. Kind of. I was gonna say, what does regular uh, skids do? I mean, normal skids is like kind of okay at fighting, um, and and he you know he can still do the money cards and build up money to kind of be still kind of okay at fighting. He's a little bit less good at getting clues, and I think maybe the skid is skids is a little bit better at getting clues just because he yeah. yeah the game and enforcer cards help him out, and he he can have the money to pump streetwise or whatever. Um, so I think I think I feel like the skids is better than regular skids, uh, or at least I definitely had more fun playing him than regular skids. I think um, even even if it maybe he still wasn't contributing as much as like other rogues might contribute or other classes, but uh, you know or the or the other skids. I, I don't know. I feel like I might have contributed more than the other skids. Uh, Harris. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we can check the tape, uh, which mm. you guys can find on YouTube. Uh, do you want to look at the advanced? cards real quick um yeah I don't, I don't remember what the regular skins cards do uh but the advanced on the lamb has more symbols cost zero which maybe it cost one before but it's fast yeah. and you can play and you can play it any during any lightning lightning window uh and until the end of the round non-elite enemies cannot attack you at the end of the round you may dis- disengage from each enemy and move up to two locations away what did regular on the lamb do dane's memory so bad it was so bad. No, I think it like it just did the first part where they cannot attack you, and it's like, well, that's great because they're still engaged with you, so they're just gonna get like wreck you. I, <laughs> like I, the second, I activated my internet powers. Wow, this is oh, nice. uh, this has a huge number of differences. It's, <laughs> yes, <laughs> the regular one costs one. It is fast, but you can only play it after your turn begins, and until the end of the round, non-elite enemies can attack you. Isn't that what Trish's does? But Trish's is better somehow than that. Like Trish's is, is like a way better version of that, and even yeah. Trish's one is not is not that good. Usually, just commit it. This is yeah. It, Skids is like one of the worst signature cards, I think. Yeah, this is definitely way better. Uh, it's interesting that it, like moves enemies away from you. Um, like, that's pretty powerful. Um, so I mean, if you want to get the upgraded cards, like this is definitely better. Um, but if you're just playing to commit it for symbols, then you know wouldn't bother. Uh, the upgraded hospital debts is uh move one resource from your resource pool excuse me um onto hospital debts three times around when the game ends if you have fewer than nine resources on it you get two fewer experience so i think the regular one you need to have six resources on it and you can only do it twice per round um eh, that's fine that's actually not that bad because remember for these weaknesses other people can contribute to that um it also yeah. it feels like if if your deck is if anything if if roughly the kind of normal amount of stuff that you expect to happen with this deck is happening you should have more than enough money right totally yeah and the really good part about like Skids' weakness is actually they're not as bad as the other core investigators mainly because this stays out and so if he should cycle his deck which I've been playing uh, Return to Dunwich like kind of alongside one who cycled his deck a couple times. Uh, in a scenario like this just stays out and you don't have to worry about it coming back into the deck and like you know kind of like coming back out so you have to pay it off again um so it's actually not that bad and the fact that you can 
I think the big stricture of this weakness is that you can only do it three times per round. In the original, you can only do two times per round. So, like, if there's only one round in the in the game left, like you have to leave or whatever, and it and it just happens to flop to come out, it's really bad because you're just destined for less experience, right? Yeah. I mean, but 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 at the same time, like if that happens like once or twice over the course of the campaign, like okay, you lost two experience. It's not great, but it's not the end of the world. If it happens yeah. like a lot of times, you're gonna fall behind. But again, I'm just myself up a cliff. No, but I, I'm just saying, compare <laughs> compare it to, like, Finn's weakness, where, like, it could just, like, wake the boss up and, like, ruin everybody's plan for how to finish <laughs> oh, this no. area, right? Like, the, the ceiling for how much this can really do to you is, like, you're not going to be happy about it, but it's not that bad. Sure, it's sure. not drama. Yeah. Like, if it, if, if it, because the Roland's one, if you start with Roland with, like, five sanity and then you take a mental trauma, it's like, well, time time to retire and just die, because then this is <laughs> yeah, gonna, not going to go well, fair. right? Then you just pack yeah. uh, I See You in Hell. Or uh, <laughs> what's the other one? The the orange one. Ghastly uh, Revelation. Ghastly Revelation. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's look at Agnes. So parallel Agnes. Um, as we know, she's a waitress. Her stat line is five two two three, which I think is the same. Uh, her ability is as an additional cost to play a spell event. You may take one damage. If you do, reduce the cost to play that event by two. And you may shuffle that event back into your deck instead of discarding it. Uh, Elder Sign lets her heal one damage, and her stat line, or she has eight health and six sanity, which I think is flipped from her normal version. Uh, and then her deck building is deck size 25, Mystic cards 0 to 5, Spell cards 0 to 3, Occult cards 0 to 3, Neutral cards 0 to 5. And similar to Skids, uh, when you, she upgrades a spell card, you may instead pay the full resource cost of the higher level version and leave the lower level version in your deck. It does not count towards your deck size or the number of copies of that card in your deck. Uh, and then otherwise, she still has the Heirloom of Hyperborea and Dark Marie and Random Weakness. Um, yeah, so she kind of reverses what regular Agnes does because regular Agnes is like playing around with. Um, taking horror uh in order to like do some extra damage output while she's she's taking damage here to like save money and maybe recur spells potentially um so what uh what do you guys think for strengths for parallel agnes build an economy mm. right like a lot of mystics have issues with like once they use their um uncage the soul and well, that's just it. They have Uncaged the Soul, and that's basically the only economy. Like, sure, there's um, Voice of Ra and stuff, but, like, they really kind of have to lean into, the, into their minor classes to to figure out, like, what they're doing for resources. Like, Dexter has, uh, like, Rogue Access, obviously, but, like, Agnes, like, Parallel Agnes never has issues with money, really. It's really, her issue comes with card drop. We can talk about that later, but, like, yep. um, you just never have to worry about, like, once you play your your spells that, that get down on the board, you just don't have to pay for things. You use your blood, which is so critical for the lore value and the flavor mm-hmm. of this investigator. I love it. See, I, I would almost think that, like, because Mystics, it's like Dane said, they do kind of rely on their off-class for, like, money and card draw. I would almost think that getting the draw off of playing spells from the amulet is, like, even more important than the money, because... Like, the Agnes's amulet always seems like it could be really powerful if you get it out early and if you have, like, a ton of spells in your deck. When I play normal Agnes, I just kind of never really... It doesn't feel like the cards are really there to fully commit to that plan. But, like, to me, that's the appeal of this parallel Agnes, is, like, if you could pull that off and just draw, like, two cards per turn just off of playing spells, 
that would be incredibly strong. Yeah. And you get to recycle them, right? Like, obviously, like, well, Mystics I mean, are ridiculously strong. I, I don't know how much that necessarily even matters, though, because, like, just putting a card back in your deck, like, in, in, in other games where you don't get a free recycle your deck when it goes empty, that would be more important. But in this game, like, who cares if it goes in your discard pile? Don't you just shuffle it once your deck runs out and you draw it again anyway? Yeah, but, like, what's better than actually having, like, a deck of five cards that is only, like, Razors, uh, Read the Signs, and Soothing Melodies, right? <laughs> like, that's just infinite value and, like, super big stats um, to to just hammer enemies and, and clues with. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, it's also, like, it's not even, we don't really even have to argue about it because it's, like, a, it's a thing that you get for free. Like, I, I would consider yeah. the, like get two bucks off of the cost of these spells like you basically need that to pay for them because a lot of these spells cost two or three bucks so yeah. like you can consider the shuffling it back in as just like a fun rider on that kind of totally I and mean, i think like the oh sorry go ahead Harry. no I agree. You, you can go ahead <laughs> i think the big um strength that this agnes has over regular agnes who is very very good she's definitely one like one of the better investigators for sure but uh or at least mystics um she can play Holy Some... locket, the mirror, mirror. Yes, hallowed Holy mirror. Locket. There we go. We got there. <laughs> I never remember because it's this huge mirror in a, in some closet somewhere. Um, hallowed mirror is so big for this investigator because once she gets that down, she has like healing for days, and uh, she can just keep cycling them in her deck. Um, especially if she has like an arcane initiate out. She just goes through stuff so fast and can keep herself, potentially other allies, healed up. It would be nice if she had access to bandages <clears throat> for that, but... Except for the other side. But, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's also kind of a trap, too, to have, like, all those events shuffled back into your deck, because, like, then you don't have access to your... I mean, you just have to dig a little bit deeper for your economy thing. Yeah, like, like if, if you've found everything already, then it's great. But if you haven't found everything yet, maybe not great. Yeah, yeah I think maybe you're supposed to not start doing that until you've found whatever your key assets are, right? Um, and then once mm -hmm. once you have your key stuff out, you're like, all right, I'll just shuffle these back in because I don't want to... Um, you know, I'd rather draw one of these again than my second copy of, you know, whatever or something. Or I don't need to shuffle my discard pile because I've already played enough one-off events to get me all the money I need for the rest of the game or whatever, so... If we're uh, if we're segueing into weaknesses, maybe, or flaws, I do want to just point out that regular Agnes, the pinging ability is extremely, extremely good. So giving that up is like, I mean, I, again, the best case scenario, if, you, if everything kind of works out the way it's supposed to, where you play the heirloom with Parallel Agnes and then you're just cycling spells all day, that's pretty good. But like, even with that, it's, I still I think it's kind of like a toss-up, whether that's even better than just being able to ping stuff. Um, the other thing I would mention really quickly is I think Dark Memory would be way more annoying for Parallel Agnes because with regular Agnes, you're playing Peter and stuff anyway, so you can kind of soak some of it. Um, you can even use it to trigger the ping sometimes, which is uh, helpful. Um, and, and that Agnes does have eight sanity to begin with. Uh, this version of Agnes, you only have six, and you're maybe not playing as much Horror Soak. Like You probably have Soothing Melody, like Dane said, but you might not be able to kind of tank the horror off of Dark Memory as easily. But Dan, with Peril Agnes, you can play Dark Memory cheaper and return it to your deck. <laughs> that, that is, that's a good point. And well, and you do get the draw a card off of it if you played your yeah. Air Room, obviously. Yeah. So, um, uh, no, no, you're right. It's definitely so much scarier for Peril Agnes. Uh, like she's so, going to want to play it right away. So I mean, like 
when with regular Agnes, I think that especially with the survivor stuff, you had a lot of healing. I guess not really, but with the mystics, you had a lot of horror healing, or at least Peter Sylvester. Is there a lot of access to kind of mitigating your hurting yourself by damage with just her card pool? I mean, you brought up Hollowed Memory or Hollowed Mirror or whatever, but. There is the new multicolor uh, purple yes. red spell. There is a new purple event from Edge of the Earth that heals like one for each spell slot you have uh, occupied or something. Meditative trance or something? probably i don't remember um but yeah i know i think that's a good point harrison there's there's not that much like there's a few there's a few and it's probably enough there's also that new new ish purple spell that's basically like um uh what is it omen of uh something clarity of mind it's like clarity of mind but for health there's mm. there's a spell like oh, that healing words. Healing words. yeah yeah mm. so there, there's definitely stuff you can do um, and if you do the other side then you have uh just Jessica Hyde, I don't know what you do with your fist, but, um, and bandages, like I said. Yeah, and you got leather coats. I've seen people play, sure. like, leather coats and scavenging. Um, so, if you use something like your, uh, your read the signs, you're probably going to succeed by two, because you've got a huge will, right? And then you throw back out your leather coats, play them for free, play, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think she's, like, the most combo-y sort of oriented, which is kind of neat. Yeah. I think that she, I mean, like, from my experience for all of these, I think that she's probably the one that I would probably mix the front and back the most than the other totally. ones. I think uh, in terms of the roles that she can play, I think, uh, I mean, regular Agnes, you can already, you probably don't want to go pure clues with her because the pinging ability is so strong, but she could, you can do, like, a mostly just pure fighting Agnes, or you can do a hybrid. I think the same is basically true with this, because uh, you can play, like, Read the Signs, and yeah. uh, I guess Read the Signs is really the only good, like, spell event that gets clues, so maybe maybe yeah. you're a little bit more towards being, like, a pure fighter, because you probably don't want to play, like, Rite of Seeking and stuff in this kind of deck. That's exactly it, yeah, because you're, like, really, really um, uh, incentivized to be playing a lot of events. And there are a lot of events that do damage, like, you know, you've got uh, Magic Punch, which I never remember the name of, and... Uh, Storm of Spirits. There we go, there we go. Storm of Spirits and, uh, and Razors, and Razors are obviously a phenomenal card, um, but you only have uh, Read the Signs, and, because Drawn of the Flame isn't actually a spell, which kind of shocks some people. <laughs> yeah, no, but, <laughs> but like, I... that's the other thing. I really wish, like, I mean, this seems good, but, like, I think what would make me get this out of the box and play it would be if they print another spell, kind of, like, read the signs, because it just, it feels weird to me to go, like, a pure fighting build with Parallel Agnes when regular Agnes has this ability that is so incredible for fighting yeah. things. If you could do more of, like, a hybrid build with Parallel Agnes, if there was, like, another spell you could play two of besides read the signs, for me, that would nudge it over into, like, oh, this actually seems really cool and I want to try it. Do you think... Having a pair, oh, sorry, uh, Eldritch Inspiration is worth like oh. considering that kind of stuff. Like, if you did do like six cents and then just Eldritch Inspiration all day, I don't know. Is that good? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not too excited about it. <laughs> it's a cool combo for sure, and that's kind of the thing, right? Like, Paralagnus can do a lot of things because of the fact that if you're recurring like just the right amount, like if you're playing at a certain level or whatever, and you're like you've gotten your deck to basically only healing and read the signs then technically you can be the best seeker in the game or whatever but like it's it it really there's a high level of variance there right because you could that probably won't happen um 
but you can try your hardest to make that the scenario. So. Yeah. Uh, any other cards that we haven't mentioned that we think Parallel Agnes would like? Mm. I think we went through a lot of them already. Any, think... any, any spell event that's playable, stuff that heals health. I'm that's so it. mad at the occult trait, because I feel like we've been teased with occult as like being something amazing since like getting Marie in the book, and there's still like, like, like 10 occult cards. Yeah. <laughs> Marie can sit down for a little while longer. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for for everything to come up, Marie. But yeah, yeah, I was just looking at the occult cards, and there's not really very much that she'd like. There's still, yeah, still not much. I, I'm sure MJ will remember it in like three campaigns. He'd be like, "Oh, we should put occult on like all these cards." Uh, well, we need to get we need to get Rita's uh, trick campaign you know. soon. <laughs> I mean, they uh, she, they did she's they did a couple things, things but. <laughs> They did a thing in Magic where uh, they like made a set where dinosaurs were a thing, and they went back and they like eroded a bunch of old cards that clearly had dinosaurs on oh, them yeah, to yeah, have yeah. like the dinosaur trait. I remember so that. Like, they could taboo a bunch of cards to be like, "This is a cult now," if they wanted to, you know. Yeah, it's true. They uh, probably won't, but <laughs> maybe they'll taboo some cards to have some dinosaurs on them. That'd be great. That would be Ooh, really cool. Hey, MJ, <laughs> there. I think we failed to ask MJ what her stance on dinosaurs is uh, whenever we've interviewed her. We should, we should make that a priority next time. Cats are kind of like dinosaurs, so... Um, right. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a bit of a stretch. Uh, so Agnes's <laughs> advanced cards. So her, her heirloom, uh, it gains three health and three sanity. But it can only be uh, only damage and horror from player card effects can be assigned to the heirloom. Um, so it's a soak. It kind of can soak like her her own abilities card. I think it could. I think it damage like if someone makes an attack, they miss. I think that might actually <laughs> attack that's on funny. an enemy that's on Agnes. Like I, think shriveling. That, I think that counts as damage from a player card effect. I'm not sure though. But yeah, but yeah, definitely like the backfire from shriveling or other spells like that. Yeah, you're, um, you're going to be able to use it. You're going to have opportunities yeah. to use so, this. It's nice. It has an extra symbol for committing. Um, but yeah, in terms of like if you're going to play it as advanced, I think if you're playing parallel because you kind of want to play this already anyway, then it's definitely nice to have. I don't know about regular. You might still just commit this and uh, run, uh, run a Holy Rosary or whatever. Um, and then her advanced weakness costs two more. I think it costs four instead of two. That's, ooh, that's real bad. That sucks. And both, yeah. I mean, if it's parallel, you know, whatever. If it's parallel, it still basically costs two, but... Uh, but it would cost zero if you're parallel otherwise. Yeah, so that, that's pretty nasty, because it still puts and a you, doom on the agenda when you play it. It can still cause you to advance, and it still does two horror to you every turn it's in your hand. So, yeah, and you're using, guess, you're using that turn's ability to give you the discount. Yeah, it's The thing about well. this, though, is that like, like parallel agnes has the ability to just lock this out of the game for a very long time, right? Like if you draw it early, you can get rid of it. Um, and then you can cycle enough things back into your deck to where it's going to be a long time before you see this again. So that's kind of maybe a good, a good thing in her uh, favor. I, oh, I guess, but I mean, regular Agnes, you just like, don't really draw enough cards to draw your weakness twice anyway. So. Yeah, I misspoke. Fair. I misspoke. You can just, I didn't realize you can use that event when, I, I mean, as many times as you want. There's no limit, right? You can, it's, I mean, limits your health. <laughs> yeah, you know, the only limit uh, is death. 
right. Yeah. So, uh, Parallel Wendy Adams. Uh, stat line is four three one four, which I think is the same. Um, the ability is she's a drifter, but now she's also blessed and cursed. Um, add title memento to your deck, uh, which is a new card for her. And then a reaction after you successfully evade a non-elite enemy, seal either one bless or one curse token on the chaos bag, uh, or uh, any bless or curse tokens revealed from the chaos bag during this test on that enemy. Uh, in effect, her elder sign is plus two. Search the chaos bag for up to two bless and or curse tokens and reveal them, ignoring their effects. I think I never f- remembered to look up what that specifically meant. That's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> her backside is uh, deck three. Deck, uh, deck size is 30. Uh, she makes a trait choice at deck creation. She either chooses blessed or cursed or both and gains plus five deck size. Sorry, she gains plus our deck size if she chooses both. Uh, deck building options, 0-5 to five survivor, 0-5 to five neutral, and cards from your chosen traits, 0-5. Uh, to five. Um, And then the title memento is a permanent asset. Uh, it's an item of charm reaction. When an, item, or when an enemy would be ready or doom would be placed on it, release a blessed or cursed token sealed on an enemy, cancel that effect. And then reaction during a skill test you're performing when a chaos token would be revealed from the chaos bag, resolve a bluster curse token sealed on the enemy instead. So it kind of her kind of thing is like she she runs around evading stuff, and then she'll seal tokens on those enemies, and she can grab those tokens later when she wants, um, when she is doing a skill test, or she can release them to like keep the enemy evaded effectively or avoid doom. Yeah. So like a lot of options there really. Yeah. I mean the the two things that that you missed uh explaining this Ben was um that her her health and sanity were also switched and uh that the the grown-ups quote is great. It's like a Rugrats quote that you'd see in like a Nickelodeon show or something. It's like grown-ups don't understand or something like that. What? Uh <laughs> so yeah, her health and sanity are still are seven and seven, Dane. Uh yeah. They totally switched them. Yeah, okay. That's totally. <laughs> Little things are important. Grown-ups don't see that. Is that from Rugrats? Is that what you just Probably. said? Probably. <laughs> um, like... They were like, nobody will notice this. <laughs> Parents just don't understand. That's uh, that's what Wendy's all about. It's true. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, from what I was seeing with Wendy uh, when y'all did, did the live stream, um, she could just keep people locked down for a very long time, right? Like yeah. this, is, this is like almost built-in slip away on an investigator, which is kind of nuts. Well, okay, but I mean, the, the thing is, like, okay, first you need to find this one copy of Title Memento, and or do you start with that? Out? It's, it's, uh, it's permanent. permanent. You start with uh, that. That's, that's pretty good. But you you do still have to put blesses or curses in the bag, right? Mm. Which I think seekers or um, not seekers, uh, survivors do best. Survivors are that she also that has is true. They do this to... normally useless thing better than most other. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, I... that's what I'm saying. Is like, do you have other payoffs for for blesser curses? I mean, like this this could be good, you know. Uh, I mean, survivors have ancient covenant, um, which yes. can, and then they can grab like favor of the sun or whatever, which is what uh, Harrison did in our run. So we we saw the bless tokens like really helping out, um, either locking stuff down. Or letting us like do a skill test and just passing it uh, without having to commit stuff to it. Uh, our I think our I think our windy one was our windy run uh, was our smoothest run somehow. 
So yeah. good. <laughs> Didn't parallel Wendy go like uh, murder Wendy? You had the bow, right? The yeah. the enchanted bow, and you I had, had an amazing. Like, I mean, we can we'll t- maybe talk about that a different time. But yeah, I had an amazing opening hand there. But um, I was gonna say um, it. I think I think just like any investigator that has access to word of word of protection is always a is always a plus, and I think word of radiance access is always really good. I don't think I've ever read, read and run a Word of Radiance and it didn't pop off. So, I mean, if you have, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, so that's just a plus, I guess. Yeah, we haven't tried, I don't think any of us have tried the Cursed uh, uh, cursed Wendy with this yet, have we? I know I haven't. We've, we've not. Stay tuned, yeah. though. Kirsten and I are uh, maybe yeah. maybe going to be doing a curse run soon. Lord Atboy is advocating for the Lucky Penny um, for, for Wendy. <laughs> I don't remember. What does Lucky Penny do? Uh, Everybody was very upset about a coin. Oh, and yeah, then they printed a coin. You have to flip a coin, uh, and if it matches like whatever your sealed token is, you get some effect. Um, so, But I guess, so, so just to talk about like strengths... Being able to kind of like slip away stuff forever is good. Being able to do the ancient covenant thing that we discussed an episode or two ago, uh, pretty pretty well is is definitely good. Um, and then I don't know her. I guess she doesn't really. I guess the seven and seven and the four will and four agility, like she's just kind of resilient in the same way that normal Wendy is, kind of. Yeah, she's definitely very resilient to the encounter deck. Um... Obviously, she struggles with like direct combat uh, unless she leans into using like agility cards, which I think we mentioned. The, the, what is it? The enchanted bow? Is it that we use here? And 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 Neptus. Neptus definitely yeah, deserves yeah. a huge call out. Um, just all the cool uh, stuff. She can take holy I mean, spear technically. It's just a great way to kind of like be able to like side ping things. And I don't I don't think anybody should run um, this Wendy as like a, as your main fighter, but. She's definitely good at running interference because being able to like, like double double stun somebody for a while is pretty good. Yeah, and she's still good at evading. Um, I guess if she's if you're using the parallel back, she misses out on some rogue cards, which probably hinders her a bit clues wise because she like, like pickpocketing, uh, lock picks, lock definitely picks sad. I mean, she still has access to survivor clue stuff, which eh, not quite as strong, but you know. She can still work with it. And if she's running blessed stuff, then she has a little bit of higher average passing of test stuff. She is, I guess, missing out on the very powerful Wendy ability to redraw. I was going to say, if we're talking right? about weaknesses, like we've we've said that Wendy's regular ability is one of the strongest in the game. So missing out on that is a pretty big deal. Totally. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. Red of sanctification is always good to have on the team. Just like, just because it helps everybody else. Including you, play everything cheap. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Lord Batboy mentions in chat, like, the cards that can evade multiple enemies at once, and therefore you could stun lock them all with, with bless tokens at once. Oh, wow. Oh, that's uh, neat. But you like, probably shouldn't have that many enemies on the board anyways. Like, well, I just, you're, if you're, if yeah. you're just evading stuff, that might be what you're, <laughs> the state you're in, I don't know. Um, I mean, maybe on, um, maybe in the vengeance scenarios in... In the, what's it called oh, when sure. you're not, trying not to kill a bunch of snakes? The, the pacifist forgotten age runs. Uh, <laughs> kill no snakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah she'd, be a, she'd be a great contender for that, for sure. Um, it, it's still, it still is hilarious to me that, like, there are just so many investigators that uh, use Rita, cards that have Rita on it 
that are meant for evading things better than Rita actually can, just because there's better investigators than Rita ever will be. So, alright. <laughs> I told you, Rita's Rita's getting the 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 trick campaign. So that was we we've been talking about favorite cards for Wendy. Should we as for roles? Sorry. Is it still kind of like hybridy? Like it sounds like you guys try to do more of like a full on enemy management thing, which maybe kind of works. We only kind of had to because Wendy like you like two Wendy. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we had to have somebody deal with the damage, and we went in blind, so we didn't really know. I don't know if I'd necessarily force her to have enemy management like that, like. I don't yeah. know if she's better at cluing because she doesn't have lock picks though. Yeah, I, I mean you you like added the bless support, which helped helped me helped uh like be able to evade things easily and grab clues easily on important tests because we did like the ancient covenant favor of the sun stuff. Plus there was just like always like ten blesses in the bag all the time, which was kind of nice. Um, yeah, we didn't have to worry about as much committing super hard. Um, but yeah. I, I, Definitely still a little more hybrid -y. Um and then maybe like support-ish sort of. I don't know. Like, you know, support's not really like its own role, uh, at least when we talk about it. Um, but, you know, she, she can do bless or curse support and maybe help somebody else that is also on the team leaning into that um, pop off a little more. So, um, yeah. I think she's like the locus of, of bless and curse builds, like... She just adds so much to them. Um, like the ability to keep bless tokens in the, or curse tokens in the bag, but also not really in the bag and like locked on enemies is actually yeah. kind of strong because like you don't it's, have to worry about them. It and could be pretty, unless unless someone wants to use those curse tokens. Yeah, right? well, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be pretty good. I mean, like we didn't see it in action, but it could be pretty good with like the curse spell suite where like she doesn't necessarily have to be running favor of the moon because she can just uh can she like can she use that like as force force the curse I mean, you can, yeah her curse. title memento during a success you're performing when a skill would mm. a chaos token would be revealed you can instead resolve something on an enemy i don't know if she's doing it better than any other mystic that could be doing that but she could be forcing the the good effect but she still has to pass so i don't know she's a good will so she could do it sure I think she's pretty versatile. Like the bless bless slash curse builds are generally like sort of vanilla enough for you to do kind of whatever you want. Obviously, her stats are pointing more towards like seeking and stuff, and I think that that's always helpful. And I mean, a really big boon of Wendy is like what we were talking about earlier is just that she's never going to be a weight. Like she always carries her weight. She will generally pass mythos tests. Generally, be able to like uh, you know dodge some folks when you need to. And so yeah, I will. Yeah. I wonder if she could do a lot of, like, she can force a lot of those fail more stuff. Nah, I don't know. Like, with curses? Uh, I don't know. She might be able to, I'm not sure. I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess if she leaned into curses, you could make it so you're very likely to, like, just get a zero on any test you do and then try to trigger fail more cards. I don't know. Do you, do you ever choose to increase your deck size by five to get both blessed and cursed? I don't know, let's hear from Dan about this. I'm curious as what, what Dan thinks. <laughs> I, mean, I feel I, like I it might be controversial. I don't give a shit. I'm not going to play parallel Wendy. Like, do whatever <laughs> you want. I mean, whatever. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I don't know. I I, I think it, it's already, like, filling up your deck enough just to, like, get one of those two things going. It seems like it would be very ambitious to try to synergize both. Mm -hmm. uh, but, I don't know. Go for it, if it sounds fun, you know? I mean, it's just good to 
like I know a lot of people do like to do like bl- all bless runs and all curse runs, and uh, Wendy seems to like she'd be able to kind of help out in oh. one of those one of those like runs too. Like it's always yeah, nice totally. to have like a what Mateo, Mary, Wendy. I don't know if we have a fourth bless investigator, <laughs> investigator. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing I did want to touch on real quick, as we're kind of ending Wendy, we didn't really talk about the fact that Agnes also has the same thing that Skids does, where she starts with the twenty-five card deck and, and can include like mm-hmm. upgrades of things, so she can have like four storms of spirits, etc. Yeah, that's a thing. Just to mention that and throw it out there. Uh, but otherwise, Wendy, I would say probably stick with a thirty-card deck and then use either bless or curse, depending on what your run is doing. Yeah. Uh, as for her advanced cards. Um... So the amulet. I was trying to look at the difference here. How's the difference? Oh yeah. So this lets you play. I think everything's the same on it, except you may play any event in your discard pile as if it were in your hand. So it's not just the topmost event. So that gives you a little bit more control. Um, and it's also no, and it still has the force effect of after you play an event or discard event from play, place it in the bottom of your deck instead of your discard pile. It it does free you from the necessity of keeping your discard pile in order because you can just not care about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's the difference. Um, as for her weakness, um, it is remove all non-weakness cards from your discard pile from the game. If no cards are removed by its effect, shuffle it back and shuffle this card back into your deck. Otherwise, take three direct horror. Oof, that seems incredibly bad. Like half of your hand. <laughs> Um, well, but but keep in mind that with her with her regular weakness, you just always take two direct horror, right? Oh, really? Yeah. Which is terrible. Oh. It's one of, it's one of these corset weaknesses we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah. So this yeah. so this one is like if it removes cards from the game, which is also really bad. At least you don't also take a big horror sandwich uh, right to the face, you know? N- no, no. I think you still take you, if you remove cards in the game, you take three horror. If you don't remove cards in the game, you shuffle it into your deck. Oh, okay. So it's okay. So it's just straight up way worse. It's just, it's just, <laughs> it's just god awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I probably wouldn't use these, uh, these upgraded, advanced, uh, super advanced cards here because they seem no. pretty, pretty scary. Well, no, Jimmy, no, you, I mean, you're so not a fan of using about... her amulet at all. So yeah, it's just a oh, straight yeah. downgrade for you. Um, that's a yeah. Especially um, unexpected courage. Yeah, that's what you say. But I mean, are, yeah. now that we talked about them, are there anybody that? You wouldn't really mind taking both if you read them up right out the gate. Uh, well, well, uh, well, honestly, no, because half the reason that I say like don't try to build a whole deck around the the amulet is that you only get one copy of it. But if you do have two copies of it, I mean, I still don't think it's amazing. But at least you can maybe reliably actually find uh, it. You know? Well, no, the the advance yeah. doesn't give you an extra copy of it. it just, oh, you don't just, get to play both at once. No, it gets integrated into uh, it. Yeah, replace both. Okay, in that case, nope. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think I'd play the upgraded skids cards and maybe the upgraded rolling cards. Um, totally, because their 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 weaknesses are annoying, but most of the time you can deal with them, and they might hit you like once once a campaign or I'd play the daisy one too. The daisy one, yeah. I don't know. I yeah, let's you play books fast. So I mean, I, I guess that's if you're playing good. the parallel one, maybe. Um, yeah, I think I, I think the thing, and maybe kind of like in summation for all the investigators, the big thing is that like. The draw for these, and we're going to be talking about the scenarios in, in in a few, but like the big draw for like going into these scenarios and picking up these these advanced cards is that like a lot of the deck is just made better when you have the signature cards. So 
And it's really kind of inherently, not bad, but just unreliable to make a deck and expect one card to be seen, right? Like, that's kind of my issue with Double Double, is that, like, you're going to put that card in your deck, and it's going to be the 30th card in your deck every single time. Um, So if there were a way to, like, just have your signature card in opening hand, like, like Wendy's title memento is kind of that, so that's pretty good for her, but, like, it would be better. But the fact that you can't see, like, this amazing... Uh, you know, like a uh, revolver that mm-hmm. that um, that Roland has, or like uh, Skids is on the lamb, which can get him out of something horrible in a pinch, is kind of bad. Um, and might factor into like, well, should you play these scenarios for that bonus later? But yeah, uh, yeah. So I think we are going to talk about the challenge scenarios briefly um which harris and i played through in our mur plays series recently uh you can check those out on youtube uh i think there will be spoilers for you know what happens in the scenarios and the resolution maybe we'll try to avoid saying how it went for us so people can check out the videos i don't know we'll, we'll see how it goes but um we should also we should really try to blast through these pretty fast because we've mm-hmm. already been here for a while yeah 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 we'll try to bang them out so lost my note sheet one second all right yeah so uh by the book um this is the roland challenge scenario uh i guess i'm not doing them in release order i'm just doing them in class order but um so the whole gist of this one is it's a kind of remix of midnight masks um i think the prominent thing here is uh you have to actually like arrest all of the cultists and like bring them to the Mm -hmm. police station so you're in the you're in the Midnight Masks uh, map, uh, I think mostly, almost exactly the same as um, from the core set of being in uh, Arkham. And you have to like go to each location and spend clues to like search for a cultist. And then once you reveal the cultist, you have to like drag it back to the police station um, and like spend more clues to arrest it, basically. Um, and that's kind of the gist of it. It's, so it's it's a different spin on Midnight Masks. I think you very specifically cannot murder the cultists um yep right or maybe just even the regular defeat them i don't remember exactly Um, you you can't defeat them so you you i guess they just don't take good damage when they have one damage left and you hit them uh yeah yeah you you leave them with one health but if you hurt them like i think if you beat them up a little bit you spent have to spend less clues to uh put them in the victory display um yeah so i mean this, this was this was like a fun like win more type scenario uh the rewards for like all of these scenarios are like a little bit of experience um except for the investigator that they're about uh, so in this case it's roland in which case if you win this scenario or get a good resolution you get a free upgrade of the advanced card or free of, of advanced signature card or a free downgrade of his advanced weakness um but if you uh, fail the scenario, you are forced to take the advanced weakness or downgrade your advanced signature if you already have it. Um, so it's, yeah. it's a little bit higher stakes for like the investigator. It's about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what do you What did you think about this scenario, Harrison? I mean, I think that it was. I mean, so when we played, <clears throat> we ran them with the regular and the uh, parallel investigator, and I don't know if we were always consistent about which one was the uh, was the real. Uh, Roland or whatever, but um, I could see it get, getting kind of annoying if um, you know everybody has to run around the map and only the regular Roland 
um, can can do like the cool thing, um, or in this case, like bring him to the to the um, police station. I mean, I love Midnight Mass. It's one of my top three, um, and it was a cool it was a cool take on it. Um, but I think that at a certain point, like dragging the the enemy around got kind of annoying, and it could probably be I mean treat you pretty bad if you like have if you're playing in crazy multiplayer and can't can't actually defeat all these cultists that are like making doom and stuff yeah i think the timer on it was fairly tight at least in our experience i don't remember if we lost some rounds of doom or not um but you also have to get 10 cultists to get like the the top victory uh which is a lot <laughs> um you still have the normal six cultists from midnight masks plus i think there's like this mr gray enemy that pops up at some point and and then you also have to do like the regular cultists from like the cultist set mm-hmm. <laughs> um I mean, that, that's kind of good, though, almost, because I feel like every time we talk about the Windmore scenarios, you always say, like, oh, yeah, Midnight Mass, it's fun, but it's too easy now. There's only six cultists, so, you know. Yeah. The map is also really weird. It's, like, has a weird, like, tunnel effect on, like, half of it, which makes it really hard to, like, move around, which is very important because you have to, like, drag the enemy, and I remember we had a hard time. And, uh, you know, two guardians can't safeguard on top of each other, so. Yeah, the... Like the where the positioning of the police station is means that like some of the locations are like three or four away from it, um, so it can be hard to drag stuff back. Uh, I I think I recall liking it. I don't know. We could check. Someone could check the tape from what I thought two months ago. Um, but uh, yeah, it is like kind of a, a more challenging midnight masks. Um, I think the only thing that's limited to Roland itself is is like a, you can spend money to exhaust cult, exhaust cultists. I think only Roland can do that. But I think everything else anybody can do. The uh, like arresting the cultists, I think you just have to, anybody can spend the clues, I think. So, um, and I think anyone can even spend the clues to flip them over to find the cultists. So, like, that one's not too bad. Some of the other ones, it's definitely like really restricted to like the main character type of thing, but oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I liked it, I think it was fun. Um, I think if I, I was we... playing role in a campaign, I might, you know, say, yeah, let's do it, let's give it a shot. <laughs> How did we get the Oh, put it into into play, engage with you. Like, mm. how does normal do normal people get the enemy to the police station? Do they have to just get bonked a bunch of times, or uh, I mean, they'd have to like evade it and re-engage it, probably. Um, so it's harder for them. Um, well, Roland, I guess could they could have get it. bonked a bunch Roland, of times. Roland could just have engage it and then spend the money to exhaust it and run it back. So it's a little easier for Roland, but um. Yeah, or you could just take the hits. Especially, I think we did that probably near the end when we were trying to get one more in. So, yeah. I think um, the thing about these scenarios is that you can only run them if you're running that investigator, right? Yep. And also, they cost some amount of experience, I believe. They're they're similar to like uh, the the side adventures that you can do, um, and they're a little bit shorter, right? And they're all based on some sort of previous pack, right? Like this yeah. is the Night Masks. Each of them has their own thing. And I think that some of them you need a specific pack to do, or else you just can't do it. They're all yeah. like either from the core set or like the the main deluxe box. Is um, it of one, one of, of them? Like one's the in Smith, one Stars is of Fate. Uh, no or no, no. You might be thinking of this one. Okay, no, no. I think so. Yeah, one 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 of them uses because vanishing is in the i don't think any of them i don't think any of them use the ground age i guess we'll remember as we go through here yeah Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on by the book it was fun yeah so um meter die was the daisy one 
Um, oh so my god! This one takes place at the uh, university. Uh, so the, the one of the first scenarios from Dunwich um, uses uh, what is it, extrajudicial activities takes place at Mistonka University, you know, our, our home campus. So um, uh, this so one is the about this, one. this one's the scariest <laughs> one because the enemy in this one is just a book. Uh, which is obviously the scariest thing you could, could face in the greatest <laughs> monster. Game. Yeah. Uh, so there's like a, there's like a book storm or what is this? Uh, it's, I guess it's technically a book that's possessed by something, but you know, whatever it like chases Daisy around the map. Um, the thing was with this one, it requires you to have Daisy. And also uh, she has to have a certain number of tomes in her deck. And then it yeah. immediately takes all the tomes out of her deck and like distributes them around the board. And you have to run around the board and collect the tomes guess who uh, had a who started it with a geared up build yeah uh so that photo we were talking about really did not work well with this but uh i feel like most daisies it's not super crippling <laughs> um but uh yeah the gist is you need to run around and click pick up the books which you do i think by spending clues and then um you have to draw the books and play them and you win this scenario by doing a difficulty 18 parlay test but the difficulty is reduced for each uh tome you have in play. Daisy is the one that has to do it. And it looks like she also has to have four non-weakness tome assets. Non-weakness is just yeah. a qualifier. Uh, <laughs> uh, in play to do it. Um, and this one has like a short timer. It's like 12 Doom. And was there ancient evils in this one? There's definitely ancient evils in one or two of these scenarios. And we were sad about it. Um, I think it was this one because we were trying to ward everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think the Roland one in this one had it. So it made the timers a little bit tighter. And the, uh, there's only there's only birds in this one, right? And the book. Yeah, the, were there other enemies? Weren't there like uh, so. no, there weren't like students. There were Yithian guys. Really? Yeah, there were like the Yithian monsters who would normally be in this. And there were also like the little thralls. Yeah, the thralls. Oh. It was, yeah, there's the thralls and the Yithians. Yeah, there's a couple of enemies. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of interesting because uh, you also have uh, Jazz Mulligan in this one too, but he gets a special ability that lets you just teleport around the map, which mm-hmm. we definitely abused because yeah. we just had this giant ball of enemies chasing us that we didn't have to deal with. Yeah, Prime, uh, Prime Daisy definitely teleported around to kite the horrible, terrifying book so we didn't have to fight it or evade it too often. Um, yeah, it's a fun little challenge. This one's definitely a strict uh, you win or lose because you either like get that test done or you don't. Um, and I think we, uh, I think I play this one actually two or three times, two times. Um, and I think it came down to the wire in both ones because it takes a while to get all the books and then draw them, especially because you don't have like old book lore because it got taken away from you. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's it's a tight timer, um, and yeah, an extremely terrifying enemy. So. Uh, Dan or Dan, you guys have any thoughts on this one? Uh, it was d- definitely generated some fun goofs when we played it back when it first came out because of the stealing books from people using a kleptomania situation. That was fun. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's Daisy, right, that's right. Daisy had kleptomania, <clears throat> so she was able to get extra tobes really quick by stealing them from other So I think I, I was playing Agnes, and I had like some books in my deck, so it was fun. Yeah, so... Yeah, well... I have an unending yeah. hatred of the encounter card Light of a Forgerman because of this uh, this scenario. Oh, yeah, that's I, awesome. <laughs> I um, I'm just looking out for every single opportunity to be like, is that a JoJo reference? Or because um, like Reader Die is 
is like an anime that I think that MJ and the team would probably watch, but I don't oh, know. I'm really? always looking for that kind of thing. But Reader Die is definitely an anime name um, where you read a lot of. I mean, where obviously, uh, where I mean, there's lots of books involved. Let me let me guess. Is it, is it like high school kids and like the books have like ghosts in them and they have to read the books to fight the ghosts or something? No, it's really weird. It's about like clones of historical figures fight and the main character. Oh, so it's like it's like Weeaboo Clone High. I get it now. Yeah. But but the main character is like is like Bayonetta, but instead of using her hair for magic, she uses books for magic. I don't know. It's it's kind of fun. I hope that I, somebody in chat knows like an anime. About. I'm aware there's a constant meme of like is that a JoJo reference? And I think Dane yes. was like very confident like the tarot cards were a JoJo reference. Hundred <laughs> percent. I have not watched JoJo, so I don't know. Um, but JoJo I, and Ben's I, I'm fairly confident that that is something MJ would have watched. Dane, uh, Dane like 100%. hears Dane like hears like a Led Zeppelin song on the radio or something. It's like oh that's a JoJo reference or whatever. <laughs> Like Led Zeppelin itself is a joke. Exactly, like the existence of all these classic rock bands. Oh, it's all references to JoJo. You try, try living, li- try living with Dan. Anytime anyone brings like Italy up, he's like, "Is that a JoJo reference?" The entire the entire country is basically uh, yeah. <laughs> the entire country really yes. Uh, um, so yeah. the skids scenario is all or nothing. Uh, this is takes place as the in the other Dunwich scenario in the casino. The name of the name of the actual scenario is escaping me at the moment, but it's the the casino one. Um, yes, thank you. Um, so the goal in this one is to get as much money as possible, uh, which you can do by getting clues because you can you can catch clues in for money, um, or from being parallel skids and doing a bunch of parallel skids nonsense to get much extra money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's literally. It. Otherwise, it plays very similarly to. House always wins. Where like the early, the early part of the game, like the criminals don't bother you, um, and you know you don't, you're you're discouraged from killing them because like it makes the agenda advance fast, faster. And then the second half, you're like they're they become tougher and scarier, and um, you know chase you around. So uh, there's a couple like unique enemies added to this. There's a um siobhan riley an enforcer who when she engages you she steals money from you based on how much money you have very bad i hated her <laughs> um and a couple other uh like mob enforcer guys that um you know are harder to fight the more money you have so like the, the gist mm-hmm. is like the better you're doing at gambling the scarier everything out around you becomes so um, i i think that maybe we had a bad hand to do a pun uh when we were like playing this because like i feel like we had to mitigate just gangsters existing because all we were able to really do was evade them and we were just kind of like ev- evading gangsters while they were pretty much a problem but i feel like if you did have like a mark or someone that just like murdered all the gangsters immediately then you just hang out and gamble because oh. I don't remember the encounter deck was that bad. We were playing double skids, yeah. It was mostly, it's mostly stuff that like slows you down by taking away actions or uh, punishing you for having like too much money, I think. Uh, I mean, I remember enjoying the scenario. Uh, I remember that we completely forgot like the effect on the second uh, act, which like makes the enemies scarier most of the time. And Dane like kept like throwing a rubber duck at your head and be like, they have plus one health. Um, so, oh, yeah, true. so, so. But other than that, you know, I thought it was a good time. Uh, I liked the challenge of like instead of like clues like converted to money, and the goal is to have as much money as possible, um, which is generally like 
you know, not actually a thing that's useful directly. Um, so it was, it was just fun to try to amass as much as, as we talked about earlier, you know, it's like a fun achievement to like, Oh, end the game with this amount of money. Um, yeah. I mean, I want to bring up that, like, as we were playing, like, I was like, I think we have enough resources. I think we have enough resources. And we have like 30 resources. No. And you were like, no, you're not a no, good enough rogue. More. I have a rogue set too. Yeah, I, <laughs> and I, like, I was like, no, we need to go. I think, I think you might be confused. You might need to get that lizard off. Like the goal for rogue is to get as much money as possible all the time. Even so, if it includes, if if death ensues. Yeah, yeah. Even if like uh, ben, someone ben someone that. someone tragically dies, you know, that's not you. You know, even if that means adding curse tokens to the bag, you, your goal as a rogue is have all the money. You know. But I did the, eat my words. I'm like, I'm not gonna. I mean, like, I don't know what the numbers are, but like, even yeah. though I thought you did really well, like. I think that we still kind of got like the okay ending. I mean, I had a lot of money. Certain other skids that were in the room didn't have very much money by the end. So that might have hurt. And our final score was based on like total between all of us. So, but you know, we did fine. Uh, it's it's really very fun. Um, uh, Dan or Dan, did you guys have any thoughts on this one? I'm not sure if you guys played it yet. This, this was my favorite, I think, of the, of the parallel things. Spoilers. It seemed really fun. I would kind of like to give it a try. I think uh, The House Always Wins always seemed like a incomplete use of the extremely cool do a gambling adventure in a casino adventure mm-hmm. trope just because it was like one of the first things they designed mm-hmm. and uh this this seems like a fun way to revisit it and kind of like to give it a shot yeah it's definitely so. a fun one uh agnes scenario is bad blood uh so the gist of this one is you meet another sorcerer um who's also like i have memories of the past um and you're like competing with her to like get memories back faster uh yeah that's basically it uh so there's like memories that spawn on the map and you need to like get clues to like pick up the memories and your goal is to end the game with more memories than her um and she's like kind of a scary enemy and there's not really there's no actual doom timer uh because every time the agenda advances you she like mm-hmm. hits everybody for a bunch of damage and then it just flips back over. So if you can like tank enough damage, then you can you have enough time to like get all the memories. The other unique yeah. mechanic is like she picks up memories kind of randomly. You draw a token out of the chaos bag every at some point, I think during the enemy phase, if I recall correctly. And then yep. like you put it on the location she's at, and then like once it's at a certain threshold of like the total value of the chaos tokens, it will advance or it will she'll pick up the memory and then she'll like move to the next one so like the pacing of the game is a little bit dependent on like how quickly she picks up the memories um yeah i liked i liked it because it reminded me of what is it echoes of the past where you kind of it was like a race to like pick mm-hmm. up the clue on each of those locations and that's like what the cultists were doing um and um she was pretty easy to kind of like manage i guess until she wasn't but like Uh, um we made a lot of decisions that like kind of forced her into one area um and it was kind of nice to like be able to move this around i mean like um like it felt like a race like like, yeah you can manipulate a bit like her pathing because she has the patrol keyword and she goes to the next nearest memory so if you grab certain memories around her you can manipulate which way she goes that can either speed her up or slow her down. But she's definitely very scary. You don't actually want to yeah. like go near her. You don't want to have to fight her because she her she's eight, uh four times investigators eight. Uh and then she becomes yeah. a little bit easier to fight and evade as she gets memories. 
but early in the game that's like <laughs> it's an 8 eight. it's like uh, a ridiculously scary enemy right? yeah it's, like, like it's pretty bad more so than some of the elder gods that we've seen in the, in the past <laughs> um but yeah i don't remember what else was going on there uh i feel like there was a high output of damage and horror coming at us um from the encounter yeah. deck and, and like other enemies that were on the board uh where did I mean, this take where did this take place um, is this threats of fate this is threats of fate yeah yeah, yeah. Ah, that's right is it use the actual threats of fate map i guess it does huh. which is it? mostly the arkham map right from from yeah but it had like vilma's diner and stuff in it i think it did yeah 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 and this um, walk down memory lane and hyperborean but i think it has all of the things from that it has like the um no one home and all those kinds of things i mean um, yeah i mean i think I, I think that that shouldn't be like a fault for the like format of this because like these are challenge scenarios for like super fans or whatever just people that have collections so like i think that i think that it's good that you know the designers are using you know existing assets for for stuff and not making it like a mandatory thing to do like game material we need that sweet sweet super boss energy (laughs) Yeah, I guess I was just surprised that I, I I had assumed they were just going to use like something from like the base pack and offer all these, but you know, yeah, whatever. They grab one that worked out that uh, matches the theme. So, uh, any other thoughts on this one? Uh, I mean, uh, Dana and I have a partner named Elspeth, so it kind of was like kind of hard to be like like bash Elspeth in the head, like. I mean, that was, that was very funny to me. Uh, like, <laughs> More that she's just completely wrecking everybody because yeah, good, she's like the scariest thing. Good, good emotional trauma for outside the game for you guys. So, <laughs> you know. um, so uh, in this, this one might be might have been the hardest one. Uh, it could have just we been, definitely lost. <laughs> uh, for spoilers, uh, I I had oh, yeah. played the, I had played this previously and had also lost. So <laughs> I haven't defeated this one yet. Uh, so you know. It's a fun one, though. It's interesting. Uh, last up is the newest one, which is the Red Tide Rising. This is Wendy's challenge scenario. Uh, I feel like this was the only one that had memorable additions to like Wendy's story, which we didn't really even touch on on the other ones. Uh, mm-hmm. But like her, she's like got a clue about like the possible whereabouts of her her father, who was presumed dead before this, I think, or lost at sea. Um, so she goes to Innsmouth by herself. Um, standard standard. Uh, small child uh adventures in the fish town and it's basically the vanishing of alina harper um except uh vanishing of dad right yeah except you're trying to find you're trying to find pa um she gets like a specific item that like lets her um like vacuum up hideouts or suspect enemies to like Mm -hmm. ask them if they know where dad is or where he was last seen and your goal is to like vacuum up all of those. Your goal is basically to clear the 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 leads deck out. Um, and yeah, I mean, um, we because we played it as double windy, and like all of the tests for like getting clues off of like the suspects are like agility or will tests. We're very good at that. And Wendy's like pretty mm-hmm. good at picking up clues uh, still. So. Um, I think our experience was this was like one of the easier ones, but maybe if you're playing with different investigator combos, it could be uh, could be spicy. Yeah, I think we elected 
Vanishing Alita Harper is like one of our favorites. Even so, like the uh, the great old ones were doing that challenge, right? And this was the one that we submitted for for their uh, challenge run. I'm not sure if that has completed yet or not, but uh, it's right. still going on. So go definitely do that. Um, yeah, because they started off with 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 the uh, Miskatonic University. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're doing like, like they had some some uh, folk community cre- uh, content creators and stuff community members like elect their favorite scenarios and like strung them together in like a a fun campaign adventure so um but, yeah what what yeah. did you guys for think this, of this one but this one i remember some some people in chat were like like this little girl's just asking about where your dad is and like the story seemed kind of weird because like there's just lots of people including spoiler angry mob uh, like <laughs> come after her for just asking where her dad is, and it felt kind of sad. I mean, it, it's rough. I think it's implied her dad is like was like investigating Insmith, or was somehow tied in with with the the fish people. So that's why they're suspicious of her because they don't want to reveal their the their fish people secrets. So, um, and yeah, it's not really a happy ending for for the. <laughs> for her finding her dad or not so but uh I... <laughs> yeah it's it's it, it's a little sad but i mean it's kind of kind of what i expected i i guess like for all these challenge scenarios i guess they didn't really super advance the lore of uh <laughs> these characters was, i guess for me i was hoping they would do a little bit uh i guess agnes they kind of do a little bit and windy they kind of do but it's still kind of they're still at the same status quo which I don't know. Maybe they have to do that for IP reasons or something. But I thought the mysterious photo was kind of weirdly designed because I didn't really see it even possible to, for the mysterious photos like exhaustion effect to matter. But there's two sides, and you have to like flip it over to the correct side if you're talking to a suspect or working on a hideout. And I don't know. It felt like this scenario kind of tried to make a big deal about making sure to flip it at the right time. But even when we were like flying through the scenario, I didn't really think that it was ever an issue that like we had to decide whether it it was on the hideout or the uh, suspect side. Yeah, I think the idea was to limit you to potentially only doing one of the objectives each round. Um... But we kind of seemed like we had so much time mm. that it never really limited us in that respect. So I guess maybe because we were able to just like we evade monsters and run away from them, we didn't have to. We didn't really fight them as yeah. much, and we also like got a lot of leads and locations handled uh, before the I... the deck got too polluted with uh, different enemies and whatnot. So that's there are of... some, yeah. And, like, you're trying to get to the bottom of a leads deck, um, and there are some effects that, like, actually, like, shave off cards from the leads deck, and if it's not an enemy, which you don't know until you're at the end of it, if it's not an enemy, then you, uh, uh, like, save a few rounds doing that, too. So I think we just got really lucky, but, um, yeah. Um, Yeah, the goal was to exhaust all the cards of the leads deck to make it have no leads left and every time you completed a hideout or or a suspect by getting all the clues off of them uh and then sending it away with the photo you would immediately draw a new one uh so 
that kind of dictated like where you had to go uh, throughout the game, and sometimes it would send you all the way across the map, but I think we got kind of lucky, and like a lot of the ones we drew were like kind of close together, um, so that when we went across the map, we had money to just like uh, buy bus tickets. Yeah, that you use that bus a lot. You probably spent at least like twenty resources in that bus. Yeah, I had a lot of money uh, because of the best standalone card in the game, unscrupulous loans. Oh. It's just so incredible. Zero for ten. <laughs> Such good value. Yeah, I mean, orphans need need bus money to, you know, she saved up. I think I think that um, this scenario, like a lot of the scenarios, like especially the Roland one. Um, and the Daisy one, especially, like, uh, are designed to be really annoying for for the investigator, but I didn't really feel like anything was shooting Wendy in the foot. Like, she's able to run around really quickly, and I didn't really think that there was anything that was, like, a challenge for her in this scenario, so that's probably why I went super well. Yeah, a lot um, of the scenarios kind of target their investigators, like, by the book had a ton of movement, and Roland's kind of bad at that. Vita dies, stole all of Daisy's books, so she couldn't set up. All or nothing had to play skids, uh, but this one kind of really leans into Wendy's strengths. Like all the parlays are are Will and Julie yeah. tests, and she can just get clues really well. Wendy's too strong, can't stop, can't stop her. <laughs> She's an orphan. No, I think I think the other thing about this scenario is that it's it's kind of high variance because the nature of like doom enemies, right? You had like a lot of cultists who would put doom on themselves and things True. like that. Is that variance? So like if you just you can just get unlucky, and then I'm sure that you just have way less time, right? Um, yeah, you can't deal with enemies, or you know, maybe you're just debating things or whatever. But yeah. Well, I also think that um, since we ran the uh, since we ran the parallel Wendy, uh, some of the Doom cultists weren't able to do all of the stuff that they should have been able to do. And I guess maybe it might even be more difficult if you were just running like regular Wendy, because then you don't have, then you have to actually worry about the Doom threshold that. The cultists are making um and if you ran it like solo i don't even know what you would do about that like yeah solo might be rough um but there is a lot of time in this scenario like i think it's like 18 rounds total if you don't lose any turns to doom so if you can manage to doom it definitely makes it very easy um but if you let a couple go off it might make it a bit rougher um but uh as for like the resolution of this scenario um it does advance Wendy's story a little bit, and it was very emotionally charged. I cried a lot. Um, <laughs> it was it was great. Ten out of ten, standing ovation. I'm just really happy to have had the opportunity to explore. Yeah, I mean, just uh, like that, <laughs> just disappeared. <laughs> I I do want to I do want to ask real quick. I think they've said they're going to make more parallel things in the future, right? Like it's not just these five or, or do we, is that just like suspected? Uh, I don't know if they've hard committed to uh, making more, uh, but I'm pretty sure that's the plan. Uh, it is like free content that they don't, FFG doesn't really make any money for uh, on. And uh, I assume it takes up some of MJ's hopefully paid time <laughs> at FFG. So you know, I, I think they'll they'll probably still do more, but maybe they won't like specifically do like oh the Dunwich ones are next. They might just like kind of pick random ones and and do you know whatever ones they f are vibing with. Probably depends how many they s the games enter. So yeah, really... that's where you can get them. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, overall, um, I think these are kind of fun scenarios. Uh, I think it's 
you kind of kind of evaluate whether they're worth like actually inserting into campaign uh, to see if it's like worth the the time and the the effort. Uh, like if you're trying to like min max or whatever, but I mean if you just kind of want to look to have a good fun time and have a bit of a challenge, I think they're worth uh, doing, and you can kind of get some uh, fun rewards or crippling penalties to your to your investigators. And uh, I guess my hope is that they. Uh, do keep doing these uh, over time, you know, in between actual releases. Let's spice it up. Um, and yeah, because I think it's a interesting way to, to remix older investigators and add a little spice. Let them see the table again. Yeah, also, yeah. a fun way for them to make the really awful corset weaknesses a little nastier <laughs> if you get the advanced version. <laughs> they made them worse. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but you don't have to take those, and you know, so yeah, for sure. But yeah, so. How does everybody else feel about the, uh, the parallel investigators? Has anybody found the challenging scenarios to kind of be worthwhile enough to inject into your uh, campaigns? Send your thoughts to us over at comments at mur.fm. Uh, to stay current on what we're doing, follow us on social media networks, uh, including Instagram and Twitch. Again, the links to these are all at social.mur.fm. If you really enjoy what we do and want to get more involved, uh, you can become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash Radio, or just leave us a nice review on your favorite podcasting source. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.